can't ride on my little red wagon. You can't ride on my little red wagon. Front seat's broken in the wicket, the wicket, the wicket, the wicket. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is the Nick Bartlett Show. This is a Sports Pack 12 original. So don't forget it, y'all knuckleheads. If you didn't figure it out by the title, my name is Nick Bartlett. I'm the broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer at Oregon Sports News. I've had my articles featured in the Seattle PI, 750 The Game, and Go Local PDX, and a bunch of other random media outlets and places and shenanigans and all like that. This is a sports show about Pac-12, current events, affairs, obviously the action of the field, and the conference in totality. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, if you've been here for a long time, eh, maybe thank you. Nah, nah, thank you for coming on. And without further ado, let's get to some Pac-12 action. Welcome back to the Nick Bartlett Show, everybody. And it is finally official. March Madness is over. And just what a run it was for the Pac-12. feel like we all may have had the last week to decompress a little bit. Really look at the season in its entirety. And just some... Really, really good stuff for top to bottom for the Pac-12. Not just the tournament and the regular season as well. And so for the episode today, what what episode are we on? Episode number 26. So in today's episode, I'm going to give you my three big takeaways from this year's Pac-12 hoop season. And then we'll end the show with Bartlett's random topic of the day. And I got a special announcement for y'all. So you may consider staying tuned. I may have a little story, a little announcement, a little some, 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 little some, some. <laughs> All right, guys. So seriously, though, I'm going to start with my big three takeaways. Just me today. No guest. And yeah, l- let's just get to it, man. I may be a little out of sorts, man. We ain't got no actual hoops to talk about. <laughs> no more basketball. <laughs> no more basketball. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, So my first biggest takeaway and obviously it's the tournament but before we get to that let's just start with how well the Pac-12 higher-ups did this season if you look at it 116 out of the 120 scheduled conference games are actually played this year that is phenomenal and after the debacle that was this year's Pac-12 football season probably a lot of people didn't really think that the basketball season was going to run this smoothly. As a Cougs fan, I can tell you, I pretty much got to see every single game, with the exception of maybe an ASU game at the end of the year. There's maybe one other game, but their entire schedule is pretty much played. And this same tune goes for every team throughout the conference, with the exception of Oregon. And even Oregon almost made all of... (laughs) Oregon almost made up all their games, so really just... Great job to the Pac-12 higher-ups, to the scheduling committee, whoever made this happen, athletic directors, coaches, players for actually social distancing and respecting the protocols put in place by the government right now. All holistically, just a great, great job, really. I mean, again, I just don't know if anyone could have expected to run this smoothly. And now that the NCAA tournament is officially over, we can say we made it through the college basketball season in a lot better shape than a lot of other conferences out there. And not just in terms of success, in terms of the actual games played. So kudos to whoever put this together. It was truly phenomenal. It was marvelous. And 
a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I was very grateful. As someone who loves hoops, I didn't want to miss a lot of games, have a choppy season, and that didn't happen. And so I'm just very, very happy to be reporting right now and say that the Pac-12 hoop season only missed four conference games this year. Amazing job and just kudos, 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 shrimp paste, whatever. What is, what is shrimp paste? Does anyone actually know? Is that like you like grind up shrimp or something? Why don't you just drip, 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 drip? Why don't you just uh, dip some shrimp in cocktail sauce? Anyway, so where am I going today? So uh, first takeaway though, seriously, great job by the higher-ups. 116 out of the 120 scheduled conference games were played this year. Second most, and obviously this is probably most important, but the games do have to be played first, but the astounding tournament run. You got UCLA in the final four, almost, almost making it to the national championship. If it wasn't for a charge call, I think that was a good call on Timmy. I think he actually was set, but one charge call away from a national championship. It's obvious and fair to say that UCLA basketball is back. That's great for the conference. That is huge for the conference. And Mick Cronin did a phenomenal job, in my opinion, coach of the year. A lot of other people would argue Wayne Tinkle. You really don't have a wrong answer. Even Andy Enfield actually won the award. I still don't know about that. But either way, Mick Cronin, what an amazing job. You just got to consider without Chris Smith, was his name Jalen Hill, was also out for a while, pretty much the entire season, actually. He wasn't there for the whole tournament. So for him to do this with the roster that could have looked depleted from the outside perspective, just amazing job. Seriously, amazing and it should be really exciting to see what UCLA puts going forward with this defense, with this team-oriented attack. They should be trouble for years to come. And just whether you like the Bruins or not, you have to understand this is huge for the conference. If UCLA gets that hoops pedigree back up, everyone's going to win because LA sells, and it's particularly the Bruins because of their legacy. So Bruins are back, and we obviously saw that in the NCAA tournament. Second off, you got USC and Oregon State making the Elite Eight. USC, it's kind of hard to say what they'll be next year. Even though Andy Enfield got the coach of the year, I'm not too hyped on him, to be quite frank. But he did do a phenomenal job. They did make the Elite Eight. And it's just hard to say with Evan Mobley being gone, how will this Trojan team look next year? But in terms of this season, just what a phenomenal showcase in the NCAA tournament. This was a team that I was really up and down on all year. I really kind of got annoyed with them by the end of the year. The talent level is so phenomenal, and they just kind of kept blowing it, for lack of better terms. But they put it together come NCAA tournament time. And, I mean, to beat a Kansas team by 30 points, my goodness gracious, that, that's not playing. That's some hoops. That's some high-level basketball. Followed that up by absolutely destroying the Ducks in the Sweet 16. The Trojans really, really put it together. And one thing I am excited for next year is going to be Isaiah Mobley. I think... Obviously, as the older brother, he wants to have the same success as Evan and be playing at the highest level. We're assuming that Evan's gone if he hasn't declared yet. Probably has. I mean, dude's a top three pick. But I'm really excited to see Isaiah Mobley step up and really kind of fill his post game on the offense side of the ball. Defensively, he's probably close to NBA ready already. But if he can really get some, I'd say a 15-foot jumper consistently, learn to make a damn free throw, and get one or two, maybe even three consistent post moves, USC could be very, very tough to beat. Their defense was very solid this year, and it'd be really cool to see that carrying the next season. The other team we got in the NCAA tournament, obviously the Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> I mean, their Elite Eight run, I mean, that was the stuff of legends. 
and I wanted to post on Twitter, but I didn't. Their run was comparable to Jimmy V, Jimmy Valvano's NC State teams. I mean, NC. If you don't remember Jimmy V's run, they had to run through like Ralph Sampson, uh, Ralph Sampson's Virginia teams, and the ACC tournament. Also to knock off a Duke team, I believe. And they weren't going to make the NCAAs had they not won their conference tournament. And Oregon State did the same thing. Obviously fell short of a national championship. But for the Beavers to be in the Elite Eight, like when we were all caught up in the midst of it, it was just so exciting, so cool. Just kind of me even hearing me say that out loud right now. The Beavers were in the Elite Eight. Like, whoa, what the heck? That just, that's wild. And while that may not be the biggest draw for the Pac-12 because they're located in Corvallis, no disrespect on McCoog, as I just mentioned, and Pullman's got that same love. Corvallis is even a little bit bigger. Once I say same love, I mean, not many people outside the respective program probably care about this on the national landscape. That's just keeping it 100. But for the Beavers to really just do this, I mean, wow. Just wow. Really looking at it now, I mean, beating Colorado, UCLA, and Oregon in the Pac-12 tournament, those are three really good teams. Really, really good teams. Obviously, UCLA made the Final Four, and to knock off the rival Ducks was equally impressive. You follow that off with the slapping of Tennessee, the slapping of Oklahoma State, the slapping of Loyola Chicago. And even though they were outmatched by Houston throughout the majority of the game, they almost pulled that one off. They almost made the Final Four. Thank goodness they didn't have to play Baylor because Baylor, those boys built differently. My goodness, what they feeding them in that weight room? Pure protein or something? I don't even know. Man, th- those boys are big. But looking at Oregon State, just what a story what a year, and for Wayne Tinkle going forward, it'll be really exciting to see how he can build off this. I believe Alatiche should be back. I believe Jared Lucas should be back. So they really will have a couple key pieces. Obviously, obviously, Ethan Thompson is gone. But no matter what happens going forward, this run will define Beavers basketball and probably the shape of their program for the next 10 years. I find it hard to believe that they're going to go downhill from this. That's not saying they're going to make the Elite Eight next year. That's not saying they'll even make the NCAA tournament next year, but the program is clearly, you don't get to that deep in the tournament without some positive progressions happening. So Oregon State, what a phenomenal year and just what a shocking run is so much fun. All of us in Pac-12 Nation were pulling hard for this team. Maybe not Ducks fans, but I'd guess that even Ducks fans secretly a little bit when they weren't with their buddies or their girl, whoever their hardcore Duck fan, their dad, their mom, whoever it may be, I bet they're secretly pulling for the Beavs. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Come on, you know Jared Lucas' little clutch money three pointers are kind of cool to watch. So that's uh, three teams. And speaking of the Ducks, actually, I think Sweet Sixteen they just had a tough matchup with the USC. I still think this team was better than the Sweet Sixteen, but they just—it's just one of those things. You know, fights make styles. Basketball games clash the styles. Whatever Oregon's style was, it did not mash up against USC. USC was just too big. And looking at the Ducks, I mean, Chris Duarte, what a phenomenal player. I I love watching him. If you've been with me for a while, I'm not going to repeat myself again. But I think he may actually be the most NBA ready at this current moment. And I'll leave it at that. And you don't really need to break down the Ducks too much. They're going to be back. They're going to be good. Dana Altman is the best coach in the Pac-12 still, even with Mick Cronin and... Wayne Dinkles run. Dan Altman's made the tournament, what, 23 years in a row? So the Ducks are going to be back. High level of recruiting, high level of talent, high level athletes, and the Ducks will be back. They'll probably win the conference again next year. Don't 
forget about Oregon. Ne- never forget about Oregon. I like to give them a hard time in the football field because I always expect them to do a little bit better than they are. But in terms of the hardwood, the Ducks are nasty. They're dominant, and they'll be back. And they made the Sweet 16. I mean, the only reason we're talking about them fourth year is because the Pac-12 did so darn freaking good. I mean, we had to talk about UCLA, USC, and shockingly Oregon State before them. So, I mean, to make the Sweet 16 and lose to a very solid NBA top three pick in Evan Mobley, nothing to hang your hats on there. Should be very prideful. And all this is coming, was this a year after Peyton Pritchard's departure? I believe it was, or has it been two years? Either way, Ducks killed it. And just a marvelous, just a marvelous year. I mean, if one team was impacted by COVID, I actually want to say this in my opening segment, it was the Ducks. So they responded. They came back from that month-long hiatus. No, they had a tough loss to Oregon State early in the year, not in the conference tournament, with a couple of their players missing. They lost they lost to my Cougs just coming off the COVID break, and they could have folded. They didn't, and they really made a heck of a run. They were a lot of fun to watch in my personal I still think they're the best team in the conference. No, maybe not anymore. I think UCLA proved their statement, but I I love Oregon basketball. Those fighting Ducks jerseys, everything about them. Green and gold were my high school colors. My signa, my my, my signa. Okay, I don't don't even know, guys. I I used to sing that when I was at work. (laughs) Don't ask. (laughs) And then the last team. (laughs) So, yeah, I love the Ducks. And the last team we're going to be talking about is Colorado with their round of 32. And just think about it. This is all talking about the tournament. This is how deep our team, our teams went this year. And just, wow, what a tournament run it really was. What was the combined record, like 13 or 2 or something? I didn't look up that stat. That's coming off the top of the head. Maybe like 13-3, 13-4. Wait, we had five teams. So obviously, there's five losses. But looking at the buffs, I personally think they would have lost to Florida State either way. And I do not believe in excuses. That's one thing you got to know about me. Excuses are a bunch of BS. They're baloney. They're crap. But, and this is notable, it's notable, there was that mass shooting on the day that the Buffs got eliminated. Granted, I, again, believe Florida State was the better team top to bottom and not even really close. I actually picked the Seminoles to blow out the Buffs, one of the few picks I got right (laughs) during this tournament. But that had to weigh in on some subconscious or conscious level. Boulder's probably a small, tight-knit community. Seems like a lot of love. It's a place I really, really want to visit. I'm from Seattle. Boulder just seems like my type of vibe. Seems like a place that I absolutely love. And to have that shooting had to, you know, it had to affect the players on some level, whether they would admit it or not. They probably don't want to make an excuse, but that it is fair to note. If you look at their season in its entirety, McKinley Wright, what a stud. I love watching Evan Batty. I'm not the biggest Tad Boyle fan, so we'll see how this team responds next year and going forward. I can't necessarily see them improving with McKinley Wright gone, but they do have some young pieces in Samaki Walker. And what a amazing opening round game against Georgetown where they just caught fire. They caught fire. I was watching that game. I was like, wow, this is over by halftime. I'm about to go do some things now. I think I watched like 10 minutes left in the second half in the second half when they had it fully in control. So just an astounding tournament run, top to bottom. UCLA, USC, Oregon State, Oregon, and Colorado. All five teams represented well. But we're actually not going to stop there. And that's going to take me to my third and final takeaway from this Pac-12 season. And that's going to be the strength of the rest of the conference. And while I've always said and I was wrong, clearly, I didn't think the Pac-12 had any elite teams. And obviously, USC, Oregon State, 
and UCLA proved me wrong. I mean, they made the final eight in the country. But one thing I did feel very strongly about all year is that this conference literally goes 10 teams deep now. And I'm talking 10 solid teams. There's no really gimmies anymore in the conference with the exception of maybe a UW next year because of all the transfers. But I mean, if you look at it, you got Arizona, who is likely NCAA tournament team barring the bans and restrictions. And while we're on Arizona, I'm not going to talk about Sean Miller today. I don't like talking about, I prefer not to talk about coaches, especially after a deep tournament run. I mean, this is about the kids right now. Let's give them their final shine. And I'm sure in the next Nick Barlett show, we may have to invite Dane back. He's a Tucson local. So may have to get a nice little inside take on Sean Miller and what really happened there in the departure. But again, just looking at Arizona, they were amazing. They were NCAA tournament team banning the restrictions. They're not a gimme. Now you look at a team like Stanford, Oscar Da Silva. I mean, that team was stacked. Zaire Williamson. Just is it Williamson or Williams? Williamson? Williams? Williamson? I don't know. His name's Zaire. We'll roll with that for right now. I mean, that team was really, really good. You go seven deep. You got teams like Utah and ASU who could seemingly beat anyone on a given night and at the same time lose to anyone on a given night. In particular, ASU. Tough, tough year for them, but they're not a gimme. That's still a solid basketball team. If you take them in some non-conference games, they're going to be tough to beat. Same thing with the Utes, Timmy Allen, Riley Batten, and a couple other players. Just very solid. I love Alfonso Plummer. That guy can shoot too. And my Cougs as well were never an easy out. They uh, really improved on the defense side of the ball. I could talk the rest of the show about them, but I'll leave it at that for the sake of the respect to the entire conference. And even Cal and UW showed some fight. I mean, they couldn't be considered gimmies by the end of the year. UW at the beginning of the year, maybe, but they actually really improved a lot by the end of the season. And Cal was just kind of weird. They didn't seem, they lost a lot of games, but they never really seemed like easy to beat, if that makes sense. So if you're just looking at this conference going forward, I can't say that we're the best conference nationally. I think that'd be a little bit too strong of a statement, but we're up there now. And with this success in the tournament, if a team like USC, Oregon, and UCLA can keep the success going forward, maybe add Arizona back into the mix, and a team like Stanford or maybe ASU, this conference could be the best in the nation next season. Don't think we're quite there yet. We don't have a team like Baylor. I don't know if anyone has a team like Baylor. Do you guys watch that national championship game? Oh my goodness, bro. Oh my goodness, they were good. <laughs> Yeah, they, they were good. They were really good. But let's get back to the Pac-12 here. Three big takeaways for this season again. Number one, amazing job by the committee. We got 116 out of 120 conference games played. Kudos to them. Number two, the astounding tournament run. Four teams in the Sweet 16, three in the Elite Eight, and one in the Final Four. Or excuse me, was it? Um, Yeah, it was three in the Elite Eight. And three... The strength of the rest of the conference, you got teams like Arizona and Stanford, really, really solid. Utah, ASU, and WCU, not gimmies in their own right. And Cal and UW could compete, to say the minimum. At least UW at the end of the season. And don't sleep on Cal. Mark Fox plays good defense. So this conference next year should be a lot of fun to watch. We'll see where we're at with COVID and how society and where we're all at just in that. You know what I'm saying. I can't. I'm not going to speculate on COVID and the world and da 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 and la 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 affairs. I dude, I don't even know, guys. I was trying, to, <laughs> I was trying to think of something fancy, and I just said la la la. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. This conference should be really fun to watch next year. Very solid from top to bottom. 
that's going to do it for our basketball coverage, which of course, as always, leads us to Bartlett's random topic of the day. And guys, I am happy to tell you that we've gone from the mailbag questions. If you've been listening to me for about a year now, I've been with Sports Pactol for two years, maybe two years. Started off as a game reporter or like prediction of games. How do you phrase that? I predicted what was going to happen. Give summaries of games, guys. That's what I did and wrote some articles, switched over to mailbag questions on the podcast platform. Then I got my own show and I'm excited to tell you that the Nick Bartlett Show podcast is now going to become a video show, visual podcast. I'm going to have live video, live feed. Oh, you guys see me live and in person, baby. Oh, yeah. And I just shaved off the mutton chop sideburns, looking clean. My haircut is now mother approved. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be switching over now to a video podcast. We'll keep you posted. The publisher, I, some other people, some will keep you posted. We'll let you know. I may be taking a week or two or three, probably like two weeks off here to try and figure this out. We got to get a fancy background, guys, for the video. Got to figure out what's going on with the camera. Got to figure out what we do, what we do. Can I still talk the same? Do I shower in the morning? Do I put on deodorant now? Can I still chug 12 bottles while I make this? <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I don't drink before the show. Maybe after. No, I actually I like haven't drank alcohol in like a year. I'm not, not a big drinker at this current point. We're in the middle of a pandemic, guys. Now, I'm not saying I may not party in the future. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I don't really see the point of drinking by myself. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But anyways, this is going to be a video podcast and a live video. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I did want to say seriously, uh, for you guys who've been rocking me for a while, you kind of know that I've done kind of a bunch of different jobs here and there. And when I started this whole thing, I like was a college graduate. And I got into this whole sports broadcast journalism thing. I just kind of saw a random ad on this on Craigslist. And I joined a website called OregonSportsNews.com. They're actually a partnership here with Sports Pack 12. It's a separate uh, site I write for as well. And at that time on my 29th birthday, I was washing dishes on my 29th birthday, guys. My 29th birthday. I was about to be 30. I was washing dishes. My technical job was a server, but I was washing dishes on that day. And through the growth of my writing, my podcasting, somehow my Twitter following went from like 100 followers to 4,000. We got my own show and life's really been cool. And I just want to thank you all for the journey. I mean, like I said, I went from basically a staff writer to a broadcast manager and things have really started to change for me in terms of my jobs outside here. I've now went from basically a server at a minimum wage job to Essentially, I work with autistic kids and uh, I'm able to make a comfortable living for myself. Would prefer more money. I wouldn't say comfortable. I'd prefer more money. I am still at home with my pops, which helps keep it 100. And I actually do still serve at that retirement home part time just to throw a little extra money in my pocket. So this journey I've been on, it's been a really fun journey. And I just want to thank you all seriously for your viewership. I have a lot of fun making this show. And I kind of feel like everything has been falling into place and I'm just really really grateful for your viewership guys and I'm really excited to get this video started see wherever my next journey in life takes me this is where it's taking me apparently so keep your eyes out and yeah anything else random today for Bartlett's random topic of the day Cheetos Tunas I forgot to say my tagline last week all right guys now I'm just searching for shit to talk about (laughs) I'm gonna end the show but seriously 
we're going to be turning this into a video podcast format. And I just want to say, seriously, I'm extremely grateful for everything that's happened in the sports broadcast journalism. I'm grateful for all your viewership. I'm grateful for my jobs in the real world. Yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful for a lot of different things right now. So yeah, on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. I've already told you what my three big takeaways are like three times. If you have short-term memory loss, like I may have from some of the decisions I made in college, <laughs> many decisions I made in college, probably all the decisions I made in college, but the main three things, one, again, the Pac-12 season ran so smoothly, only missed four conference games. Two, we had five teams make the NCAA tournament, three in the Elite Eight, one in the Final Four, four in the Sweet 16, and three, the strength of the rest of the conference. We are literally going to be 10 solid teams deep next year. Felt like we had 10 solid teams this year, and it's really cool to see the growth of the, uh, the growth of the Pac-12. For my random topic of the day, told y'all that we're going to be switching this from a podcast, podcast, podcast to a video podcast, going to have a new platform, going to be exciting to see my face out there, freshness, no mutton chops, and I just told you a little bit about my life and seriously how on my 29th birthday last year, I was washing dishes, I'm 30, maybe that's my 20th birthday, but either way, I um, went from essentially... Being a server to a paraeducator, I worked at a Catholic school, and just a lot of really cool things are happening in my life, as well as the podcast. But damn, when this pandemic is over, I want to get back to coaching hoops, y'all. That's probably the one thing that's going to precede my sports broadcast journalism industry. I love coaching hoops. That's me. That's my passion. That's my love. My team, uh, let's not worry about the success level. I just love coaching the boys, man. It's been a blast. So anyways... Going on another tangent in my conclusion. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. And I'm out, baby. Cheetos and tuna.